0: Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I really appreciate you being here tonight. So, I appreciate Brother Chris leading our music tonight. Not only that, but I, Brother Chris is a great mechanic, and uh, and evidently, I would put a whole lot of miles on the truck, and I didn't realize it, and and uh, Indicator went off and said, you're overdue for oil change and so I reached out to Brother Chris and I said, Brother Chris, any way you can fit any way you can fit my truck in for an oil change. And I appreciate him doing that. He did that changed my oil in the truck. And uh, I appreciate it. Now I had that oil change not because my motor was knocking. I had that oil change is because that's what you do to keep your motor healthy. Yeah. So tonight we're gonna change the oil. And It's not because the motor's knocking. It's actually because the motor is running real well. So you don't wait till a motor starts knocking to change the oil. Right. You change the oil before that time. Yes, sir. And so the Word of God gives us some scriptures that are um, we're pretty. are they're, they're 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 pretty serious and pretty frank. And so. You know what, Church? God's doing, God is doing great things. And, um, and here's the thing: nobody can take any credit for it, because it's not me and it's, it's not you. it's the Lord doing it. Yes, but I said this the other day when we had Vision Sunday, and I'll say it again, and man, if, if we think for half a second that Satan's excited about what's going on at Calvary, we got another thing coming. And I'm, I can guarantee this, that Satan's going to provide umpteen things in 2023, try to get us sidetracked and try, try to make sure that this church is not healthy and doesn't go forward. And um, boy, how many believe Satan doesn't want, he didn't want the motor purring, purring. He wants the motor knocking. Amen. And so let's make sure we keep it headed in the right direction. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in your Bibles, when you find your place let me give you one oppor- one last opportunity to stretch your legs. Listen, it's 7:53 right now. We've been trying to really we've been trying to get you out of here about around 8:30, and I believe we're going to do that easily tonight. And so, don't get worried about the time. And uh, and so, let's but let's read the first nine verses tonight, and then let's uh, let's discuss this uh, passage. First Corinthians three, verse one. Paul, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is challenging a church, and so this is a church message. Sort of like last night that we preached over at shining light. Well, this is a church message, and uh, and he says to the church of Corinth in verse one, "And I, brethren." So he's talking to Christian people. This is not lost people. This is uh, th- these are saved p- folks. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. The Lord gave them. That's what he's saying. It wasn't because of Paul or Apollos that you're saved. God orchestrated all of that. And had it not been for God, that never would have happened. Paul says in verse 6, I have planted, but he says, Apollos watered. He said, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are labors together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. You may be seated tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your uh, goodness. We're just excited to be here this evening, and, and uh, Lord, I, I thought surely we'd be way, way off our number tonight. But Lord, this is a good crowd, and there's a good spirit here tonight, and uh, Lord, we've been encouraged. And I've been encouraged. And I'm going to go way better tonight. I really believe that. Lord, I pray now that you'll, you'll knit our hearts together in the last few moments of this service as we teach a little bit, learn some things from the Word of God. And I pray that our wonderful, wonderful Savior would receive glory from it all. And Father, that you would be pleased and that your Holy Spirit would move mightily like a mighty rushing wind and that the Word of God would... Uh, Lord, would go out and, and accomplish its work. I believe it's gonna do that anyway. And so, Father, help us now, please. We love you and praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen, amen. Well, I know you are as well. I'm thankful for various tests. I'm calling this tonight the carnal test. And I'm thankful various, for various tests that have been created by men down through the years. And these tests help determine different things. For instance, it was 1912. The year 1912 when a pediatrician by the name of Oscar Sklosh, Oscar Sklosh um, created something called an allergy test, an allergy test. He was actually a pediatrician, and he uh, uh, created an allergy test, a scratch test. Uh, Some of you have had that. You've had the allergy test where... The doctor brought you in and you felt like maybe you were having a, um, um, an allergic you know, reaction to something. And the doctor brought you in and said, you know what, we're going to run an allergy test on you. And so they begin to do different things. Maybe you had a peanut allergy and you're not blessed and able to eat, eat Jeff peanut butter. And, um, and uh, I too cannot eat Jeff peanut butter. And I'm a little bitter about that tonight. But, I, but anyway, um, it might be a, a, a peanut allergy or yours might be a grass Allergy. You might be allergic to uh, to grass, or some of you here tonight. I know some of you. Uh, my little wife, one of them, you, you have a, an allergy to gluten, and you're not able to uh, to uh, enjoy foods that have gluten, or you might, or it might be wheat, or or, or whatever the case might uh, it might be. But an allergy test. Well, I'm thankful that we have an allergy test because that helps us to uh, to know the things that we can eat and things that we we can't eat. Um, And then I thought about this, back in 14th century, there was something discovered called the litmus test, the litmus test. Uh, And it's a test that's used in chemistry to determine if a solution is acidic or basic. Um, And uh, of course they use litmus paper. You know what, you know, some, some of you know a little bit about that. Well, if not those two, how about this one? Some of you know about this one. It's called a stress test, a stress test. Some of you have had that stress test. I've had a stress test. And uh, some, of, some people call it an electrocardiogram or the treadmill, the treadmill test where they uh, hook you up. You know, you look like the bionic man, you know, the $6, six, $6 million man. And they put you on that treadmill and, and, and uh, speed it up. And they want to see how your heart is going to react to that electrocardiogram. And then on a little bit more of a spiritual note, there's something that we call the gifts test. We've done that here at Calvary throughout the year some, uh, and it's a test that helps you to sort of determine what your gift is, what the Lord has given you as far as a gift concerning uh, your your, your, uh, gift to help with the church. And then I thought about this. We've done this at our couples retreat, something called the love language test. And that's a test that um, helps you figure out the love language of your spouse, whether maybe their love language is words of affirmation or quality time or receiving of gifts or acts of service or physical touch. You say, preacher, I didn't even know anything existed like that. Well, it does, and it, it might not hurt for some of you married couples to try that that love language test and uh, and try that. And so we're thankful for tests. Well, here in First Corinthians chapter 3... The Apostle Paul, and really that's not true, really it's the Holy Ghost. Paul penned the words, but the Holy Ghost is the one that inspired the words. And the Spirit of God gives us what I'm going to call the carnal test. So these other tests that we just mentioned are things that, that determine things in your life. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible gives us a test to determine whether we are spiritual or whether we are carnal. Now, it's right there in our passage tonight. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse number three. Paul says to the Corinthian church, for ye are yet carnal. And then he goes on to say, for whereas, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. And then he says this, are ye not carnal? In other words, if these things are present, it is a test that you're not spiritual; you're carnal. It's exactly what Paul was saying to the to the church here. I wanted to I wanted to feed you with meat. I wanted to give you something spiritual, but he said you couldn't handle that because you're not there yet. He said you are you're you are some of you have been saved for a while, but he said you're acting like you're babes in Christ, and uh, and he said you are you are carnal now. Let me ask a question tonight. Would you consider yourself a spiritual Christian or a carnal Christian? The word carnal in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is the Greek word sarkikos and it means this. It means pertaining to flesh or temporal or unregenerate. So a carnal Christian is somebody that claims salvation but is driven by the flesh. That's what the word carnal means, fleshly. It is somebody who claims to know Jesus as their Savior, and yet they are more concerned with the temporary than they are with the eternal. If someone is carnal, it's a a person that claims to know Jesus, and yet, Paul said it, they act as if they are unregenerate. In other words, Paul said, you might be saved, but you're not acting like it. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you you understood the gospel, you came to Christ, but he said, you are acting like people that have never been regenerated. You're acting unregenerate. Now, somebody says, pastor, how do I know? How do I know if I'm spiritual? How do I know if I'm carnal? Right here's the test. And so tonight, we're gonna take the test. How do we know if we are spiritual, or carnal. By the way, church, how do you know? We have so many new people coming into the church and which by the way is super exciting. But don't 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 ever get to the place where you don't believe that Satan can't plant somebody in the church. And just because somebody acts spiritual don't mean they are spiritual. And just because somebody can carry a King James Bible and tie their winds or not and, and they know how to shine their shoes and things like that and all that's good, I'm not against any of those things, I'm for all those things, but, but, but I'm just telling you that it is one thing to look spiritual, it is another thing to be spiritual. And so Paul comes by way of the Holy Spirit here and he says, I'm going to give you the test. I'm going to tell you how you can know if you are a spiritual Christian or you are a carnal Christian. Now, you might look like a spiritual Christian, but if you've got these other things in your life, you are definitely not a spiritual Christian. You are very much of a, a carnal Christian. So what's the test? What are some things? What are some signs that, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, prove that a person is carnal? Everybody ready? All right, let me give you a few things here tonight. How about this? Number one, envy. Now look back at your Bibles again. 1 Corinthians 3, verse three, the Bible says, for you ye are yet carnal, for you ye are yet carnal. You're not spiritual. You need to be spiritual. You ought to be spiritual. But he said, for you ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you, what's the word? Envy, envy. for there is among you Envy. Now, again, I just, this is just me. Not everybody has to be like this, but I just love to do word studies. I, it's just, it's just a, a passion of mine. I, I just love to do it. I, and so I'll find a word, and, man, I'll start uh, unpacking that word and studying it out. And, man, I'll get different commentaries and read different commentaries on it. And I want to know what it means. You know, we know that our, our New Testament is translated from Koine Greek. And, and I wanna, man, I want to get to the root meaning and just I want to know what it means. And so the word envy there is the Greek word zelos. Zelos very similar to the word I used last night at Shining Light Baptist Church, zealos. And at first glance, you would think it's a very good thing because it means zeal. That's what it means, zealos, zeal. But the word envy there actually means punitive zeal. In other words, it is a zeal that's used in punishing people is what the Bible is saying there. Making sure that people aren't happy If they have not done everything the way you think, it ought to be done. So, somebody doesn't jump through every little hoop that you have and somebody doesn't dot every little I that you dot and cross every T like you want it crossed and the the carnal person sort of clouds up and rains on their parade. Now church, listen to me. Not everybody's going to do everything just like you want them to do it. And uh, listen, we are, and, and and this is this is even this is even present in the independent Baptist churches today. Uh, we are independent Baptists on purpose, not by accident. On purpose. And yet there are other independent Baptists, and you know what? If you don't do every single thing the way they do it, and if you don't cross every single T and dot every single I just like they do it, then you can't be in their little group. Well, I got a news flash. I don't care about being in their little group anyway. But that's what that's what envying means. The, the, the word envying defined. Listen to this. The word envying defined uh, from the Merriam Webster Dictionary is this: an envious and contentious rivalry. It's what envy means, a, a envious and contentious rivalry. In other words, everything's a competition with the carnal Christian. Everything's a competition. Now, you say, preacher, I'm not following you. Well, I believe you will in just a moment. Everything's a competition. What do you mean, preacher? Well, if somebody in the church gets recognized more than them, it's a problem. Preacher only mentioned me once this year. He mentioned brother so-and-so five times. You say, pastor, that's not real. You're making that up. Oh, no, I'm not making that up. Everything's a rivalry. Everything's a competition. If someone sings more specials than somebody else, even though that person may be incredibly gifted, they get upset. Somebody's getting upset right now, I'm afraid. All right. If one parent's child gets mentioned and another parent's child doesn't get mentioned, there's a rivalry that's going on. If someone gets chosen for responsibility and uh and someone else doesn't get chosen for responsibility, it becomes an Am I preaching to anybody here tonight? Amen. Now, I, now, this is my prayer. I pray that I'm missing every single person here tonight. But I'm just thankful. I just want to go on record and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings on Calvary Baptist Church. And I'm going to tell you what is nothing short of a miracle, what God is doing here. But, oh, listen to me. I don't want to see Satan get in here and mess this thing up and, 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 and ruin it. But these, these things that I'm preaching, tonight these are the kind of things that will mess up a good church where the Spirit of God is working. If one person has more friends than another church member, well, I can't stand their little clique. Well, you know what our Bible says? You know what our Bible says? The Bible says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. So church, listen. Don't walk in here all stuck up, you know, and act like you got a chip on your shoulder and, and, you know, daring everybody to knock it off your shoulder and then wonder why you don't have friends around you. Amen. One of these days, I'll preach like Adrian Rogers, but not tonight. I, I, it's, it's probably not going to happen tonight. And listen, I'm just saying, if, if, if you want friends, be friendly. If you want friends, man, love people and be there for them and comfort them and encourage them and don't tear them down, don't shoot them, don't knock them down when they're down and and, uh, and drive their face down in the dirt. Hey, listen, hey, if they're down, pick them up and dust them off. But I want to tell you something, it might be you that falls down next time and need somebody to come to your aid and to pick you up. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because this is, exactly, this is exactly what's going on in the church of Corinth. Now, look in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians, and, and go back a page, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we find this very thing that I'm preaching on tonight, we find this very thing happening, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 11. And Paul says here, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, these are saved people, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now, this I say, that every one of you saith, I am a Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. And Paul said, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized? In the name of Paul. Turn back over to 1 Corinthians chapter three again and look at verse number four. Paul says, for while one saith, I am of Paul and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believe even as the Lord gave to every man. Listen, church, listen listen when you walk in here it ought not be a competition we're we're just all here serving the lord and and if for some reason if for some reason it seems like that you're not getting recognized as somebody else man don't get indifferent about it don't get mad about it hey i I wrote this down in my outline here did you know that god uses different people for different things at different times And this is what I want to say to the church. Let God use you when and for what he wants to use you. You don't have to walk in the Calvary Baptist Church politicking. Well, it's about time preacher chose me for a special. Well, it's about time that preacher chose me to sing in the choir. What is that? What is that? Well, so-and-so sang in a choir and preacher asked so-and-so to sing in a choir and and, and, and preacher asked so-and-so to serve on the hospitality team. Didn't ask me, what is that? I am a spiritual Christian, not according to this test, you're not. Envy, competition, rivalry. You know, this was a hard pill to swallow. But church... I finally came to the realization, I am not Joe Arthur. I love him to death. I love him to death. I've been to his church. He's been to my house. I mean, he's a good friend. He's going to be with us in a few months, and and I love Joe Arthur. And uh, the guy, honestly, the guy makes coffee nervous. I mean, he's just you know, and and but 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 I but I, I I just but I realized something. You know what, Brother Joe preaches all over the country, and I mean, he's flying in and flying out and preaching here and preaching there. You know what? I'm not Joe Arthur. And so I don't, have to, I don't have to go out and campaign and politic and, you know, kiss babies and, you know, do peace signs and, you know, hoping that you'll have me come preach your church. And Let me tell you something, church, that's in God's hands. I don't have to worry about that. If God wants me to go somewhere and preach, he'll work it out. If God wants me to have an opportunity, he'll work it out. If God wants me to sing in the choir, he'll work it out. If God wants me to teach the Sunday school guys, he'll work it out. If God wants me to serve in the ministry, he'll work it out. I'm telling you, don't walk into these these walls and into this church with a, a, a a competitive mentality in your mind when you walk in here. That's envy. Envy. And so number one, what is, what, what's a test preacher of the carnal Christian? Number one, envy. How about this? Number two is the word strife. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse three. For ye yet, Paul says, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and, what's the next word? Strife. strife. It's the Greek word, eris, E-R-I-S, eris. And it means quarrel. It means wrangling, contention, is what it means. Debate. So I looked up the the, uh, definition, and the word strife means bitter, sometimes violent conflict or dissension. Did you know that carnal people love strife? They don't do well with peace. And when things are peaceful, they'll find something to stir up. You know, that's very sad. You know, what's really, really sad is that there can be 500 positive things happening in a church. And really more than that. But there can be 500 things happening in a church and the carnal person will focus on the negative. There can be 500, 500 I mean it's like the Lord just backs up the glorified dump truck and I mean just dumps it all out and I mean just blesses and people are getting saved and folks are getting baptized and the choir is growing and the youth group is growing and, and man, revival's breaking out and, and God's saying here I'm going to bless you here and I'm going to bless you here and I'm going to bless you over here I'm going to bless you right here I'm going to bless you right here and yet there'll be one there'll be one little thing over here that's a negative and I'm going to tell you how you can tell the spiritual from the carnal, the spiritual people are rejoicing over the 500 blessings of God and the carnal person is focusing on that one little negative thing in the church. Carnal, carnal. Carnal people love to talk about the negative. They will discuss the negatives with others. They actually look For the negative. In fact, they actually concentrate on and look for things they can criticize about others. Carnal, that's a carnal Christian. Now, here's here's what I want you to understand. Scripture teaches that the trait of a spiritual Christian is actually the exact opposite. The trait of a spiritual Christian is actually mercy and forgiveness and peace, and patience. Now, we find it right here in our, right here, and so I want you to take, we're going to organize a little little Bible study here real quickly tonight. I want you to turn over a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and Paul challenges the church of Corinth concerning this thing that I'm talking about tonight, and uh, now they've got some things happening in the church that are not so, so good, and and uh, we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter six and verse number one, and Paul's hearing all of these things that are going on in the church, and, and so he writes to the church, and he says in 1 Corinthians six, verse one, dare you any of you having a matter against another go to law? Paul said, I'm not believing this. You, you people that claim to be saved, and he said, you've taken your brothers and sisters to court, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world and that the world shall be judged by you? Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Now, skip down, if you will, to verse number seven and look what Paul says. He says, now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law one with God another look at this church look at this Paul says why do ye not rather take wrong why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded nay you do wrong and defraud and that's your brethren you know what Paul is saying there by the way I don't think I have to explain that that's pretty self-explanatory Paul says what are you thinking fighting and fussing and contention and even taking brothers and sisters to law, taking them to court. He says, man, what in the world? What is that about? He said, what you ought to do is just suffer wrong. Well, I know, but I'll tell you one thing, so-and-so did me wrong. Paul said, yeah, I know. But you know what? Because you're you're a spiritual Christian. You know what spiritual Christians do? They just let it go. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You ought to get sister so-and-so that's what the carnal Christian says. But the spiritual Christian says, no. I'm just gonna let it go. You mean to tell me after what they did to you? I'm just gonna forgive. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it go. I'm not preaching in Spanish tonight, am I? I'm not. No, no. In fact, I, I wrote this down. The spiritual Christian doesn't try to dig things up. Now, some of you, you're gonna call me compromisers after this point, but that's okay. The spiritual Christian doesn't try to dig things up, but actually calm things down and even cover things over. I'm not talking about covering up sin necessarily. I'm not talking about that. Listen, you hang around for a little while. We'll preach, we'll preach sin here from the pulpit. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn over to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 10, And look at verse number 12. And I want to make a little point here tonight. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 12. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 12. Notice what the proverb says here. Hatred stirreth up strifes. But what does love do? Love covereth. Wow, wow. Love covereth all sins. All right, turn over one page to Proverbs chapter 11 and look at verse number 13. The Bible says a talebearer. Now, what's a talebearer? That's a, that's a King James word for gossip, slanderer. That person that likes to bear secrets and uh, likes to go around and talk about things. Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit, what does he do? What does he do? concealeth the matter. Now take your Bibles and turn over a few more pages to Proverbs chapter 17 and look at verse number nine. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number nine. And notice what the proverb says here. Proverbs 17, verse nine. The Bible says, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Somebody says, preacher, you are a compromiser. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not covering anybody's sin. Well, let me tell you something. You better thank God that Jesus covered yours. Right. Yes, sir. Mr. Spiritual. Mrs. Spiritual. Well, I'm not covering anybody's sins. They messed up. I'm going to let everybody know. Oh, okay. I, 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 you know what? I find Jesus doing that all throughout the Gospels. No, no. You know what Jesus did? Jesus covered our sins. Romans chapter four, verse seven, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Whose sins are covered. How many remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? Anybody remember that? Remember what God told Adam and Eve? He said, everything's yours. Everything's yours. There's one tree. There's one tree. You're not to protect that tree. And they did, didn't they? The Bible says at Eve, She was in the transgression. She took of the fruit. She ate of the fruit. She gave it to her husband. And and, and Adam was not not deceived, but he knew he was going to be without Eve. And so he partook of the fruit. And they both fell into sin. And the Bible says about that story that their eyes were opened and they knew they were naked. Up until that time, there was no shame. There was no sin, but all of a sudden, when their eyes were opened, they knew that they were naked. And the Bible says, of course, they were embarrassed. They were. They tried to sew fig leaves together, cover themselves up, and it was a feeble attempt. And did you know what our Bible tells us in Genesis chapter three, verse number twenty-one? That the Lord God uh, made coats of skins and he clothed them. You know what he did. He covered up their blunder. He covered up their mistake. I remember, I remember Brother Dave Kissler telling this story. When he was growing up, they were homeschooled. When he was growing up, he said his mama would, would teach them. One of the things she taught him was art. And he said they would have an art class. And he said his mom was a good painter. And and he said uh, every day they would take art, and he said uh, they would work on a picture for maybe days and days and days, maybe even weeks. And, and Brother Dave said he was working on a picture. And one day in the art class, he said he accidentally bumped his paint, little paint jar, and he turned the paint over onto his picture that he'd been working on for a long, long time. And he called his mom, and he said, Mom, 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 look what I did. I made a mess. I've been working on this for so long, and I, now I've ruined it. She said, Wait a minute, Dave. Wait. She got some cloths, and she got a blot, and she began to clean it up. And she said, hang on, wait wait a minute. And she began to blot here and blot here, and she began to do a little bit here. And, uh, and, and, and Brother Dave said, man, before he knew it, he said, you know what my mom did? He said, she covered up my mistake. You preaching compromise? Hang around. Hang around in 2023 and see if we're preaching compromise. But I do believe this. I believe the Christian who is spiritual is gonna seek to cover mistakes and not broadcast them all over the church. Listen, church, it doesn't make anybody spiritual just because somebody falls or somebody makes a mistake. doesn't make you spiritual because you can call Sister Blabbermouth. And you can announce to the world that why? I just want to, you know, I just, I'm not spreading gospel. I just want you to pray. I just want you to pray. No, you don't. You can pray without calling Sister Blabbermouth. But that's what carnal Christians do. Carnal Christians are envious. Carnal Christians stir up strife. If things are peaceful, things are good, things are healthy things are blessed I mean 99% of the people are walking in on Sunday morning and saying man preacher I just couldn't wait to get here I mean I just couldn't wait to get here by the way that's how it is I'm not making that up that's how it is 99% of the people walking to this church were like, Preacher, I just couldn't wait. Man, I couldn't wait to the service got here. I love this place. I love what God is doing. I mean, God's using this place. And I'm so excited about what the Lord is going to do today. And yet, and yet, there always seems to be, in every church, there always seems to be that that 1% when things are peaceful and things are healthy and things are growing and things are great, they're always looking, well, I know. But did you hear what the preacher said? Did you see what so-and-so did? Can you believe the deacons did that? Well, I can. Strife. But what's the test, preacher? How do you know? How do you know if you're a spiritual Christian? How do you know if you're a carnal Christian? Well, number one, envy is a sign of a carnal Christian. Strife is a sign of a carnal Christian. Hey, here's another one. we're done. Today. We're done. Number three, division. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. The Bible says, for ye are yet carnal. Paul says, for whereas there is among you envying, number one, strife, number two, and then he says, and divisions. And then he says, are you not carnal? Walk as men. It's the Greek word dichostasia, and it means disunion or sedition. And that's a word we don't use a whole lot, sedition. We don't use that word a lot. I don't use it a lot. But the word sedition means incitement to riot or rebellion. So let me just, we're gonna bring this thing to a close. But church, let me, let me help us tonight. Did you know, some of you, many of you know this already. Did you know that God has a sin hate list? And at the very top is this point. In fact, why don't we look at it together tonight? Proverbs chapter six in your Bibles. You're probably there in Proverbs anyway proverbs chapter 6 and look at verse number 16 and look what our bible says proverbs 6 verse 16 i'll give you just a second to get there proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 16 somebody says god is love god is love god is love and god is love church god is love but let's be very clear about something there are some things god hates Proverbs 6, verse 16, these six things doth the Lord hate. And then he says this, yea, seven are abomination unto him. First on the list, a proud look. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations and feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And here's number seven. Here's number seven. And he that soweth discord among brethren. You know what God Almighty said? I hate it. I hate it. That, that one that tries to sow discord, that one that tries to sow division. God says, I'm blessing and I'm working and I'm doing the miraculous and people are being saved and the church is seeing revival and, and God says, I'm, I'm doing great things and yet there's a carnal Christian that is trying to sow division. God said, I hate it. I hate it. Y'all want me to give you a scripture, don't you? You want your preacher to preach a Bible, don't you? Yes. You don't want a preacher that doesn't preach the Bible, right? All right, let me give you some Bible tonight. Scripturally speaking, if a person is trying to cause divisions, the Bible says they should be marked. Romans 16, 17, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and, and avoid them. Avoid them. Now I hope I'm missing everybody here tonight, but listen to me. I don't know when the Lord is coming, but until the Lord comes, I want this church to carry on. I want this church to be a happy place. I want this church to be a blessed place. I want this church to be a miraculous place. But it won't be if we allow carnalism and carnality to, to, to make its way to make its way in here. I'm just going to, listen, I don't know how else to say it. I'm just going to say it like, like, I'm just going to say it. If people come into this church and all they want to do is just tiptoe around and so little discord here and so little discord there and so little gossip here and so little gossip there and so little gossip here, and you say, well, preacher, they've been calling my phone. I mean, they've been wearing me out. You know what our Bible says? You are to mark that person and you are to avoid them. Well, that's tough preaching tonight, isn't it? But but the Bible, but the Bible very clear. You want me to preach the Bible, don't you? All right, listen to this. Did you know that every one of these traits that we preached on tonight—envy, strife, division—every one of these traits are listed as a work of the flesh. Every one of them. Galatians five nineteen. Well, we're, we're it's eight thirty. We're eight thirty. Wheels are on the runway. Look at Galatians chapter five and look at verse number 19. Galatians five, verse 19. Galatians five, 19. The Bible says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read while you find your place there. Galatians chapter five and verse number 19. The Bible says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, they, they come out. You, you, you can see them. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. Uh Uh-oh, look at the next one. Strife, seditions. We just talked about that. Heresies, verse 21, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they, listen to this part, wow, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. Wow. Can I remind you? I didn't write that. God wrote that. If you know somebody that's continuously, 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 continuously involved in gossip and division and strife, you know what our Bible, I, I didn't say this. The Bible says it. The Bible says a person who is caught up in that kind of thing has never been born again. The perfect will of God involves unity. Psalm 133, verse 1 Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Ephesians 4, verse number 3 Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. People who are spiritual see the importance of unity. Unity. I know, preacher, but you didn't see the way she looked at me. Unity. I know that I, I, I stuck my hand out to shake Brother Mike Hill's hand and he purposely walked by me. Unity. And by the way, I doubt that very seriously. But if it were the case for the sake of unity, you ought to say, you know what? I'm forgiving that old boy right there. He's probably just having a bad day. Miss Nina must have slugged him before they came out of the house. I mean, I don't know what it was. And, uh, I mean, she fed him nails for breakfast instead of an omelet. You know, I mean, I don't know what it was. I don't don't know what it was. But you know what? For the sake of unity, I'm going to let it go. I'm preaching Mature Christian 101 tonight. But I want to show this to you. Take your Bibles real quickly and turn to the first book of your Bible, Genesis chapter number 13, Genesis chapter 13, and look at verse number seven. And when I begin to think about this this thing of unity and suffering wrong for for the sake of unity, boy, the Spirit of God led me to Genesis 13. Genesis 13, verse number seven, the Bible says, and there was a strife. Man, there's that word. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Look at the next line, church. In fact, read that next line with me. Ready? And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Ask you a question. What's that got to do with anything? So here, the Bible's talking about, here's strife in the camp. And the Bible says the Canaanite, the Perizzite, these are lost people, They're in the land. What's that got to do with anything? I'll tell you what it's got to do with it. The lost are looking on, they're watching. They're watching. Oh, man, listen. I'll tell you why. I'm not a smart guy, but I'll tell you why churches aren't having people saved. I'll tell you why the, the baptistries have got cobwebs and storage units in it and, and, and uh, uh, all kinds of things in there and why revival's not breaking. I'll tell you why, because our churches are filled with this unity and division and strife and there needs to be a church somewhere in North Carolina that says by the grace of God, it won't happen here. Look what he says. There was a strife. There was a strife. And verse 8, verse 8, and Abraham said unto Lot, and Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife. I pray thee between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. Look at this, here it is. For we be what? Lot. People are watching. We're brethren. And Lot said, hey, uncle, we got a problem. Your cowboys are fighting my cowboys. There's not enough water to go around. They're fighting over this watering hole. And and we're needing more pasture land. And and they're fighting together. Look what happened, verse 9. Abram, the spiritual Christian, Abram says, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Look at this. If thou will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if that doesn't interest you, or if thou depart, depart to the right hand, I'll go to the left. Wow, wow! You know what Abraham was saying? Unity. So, you just go ahead and choose whichever direction you want to go. That's fine. I'll just I'll go the other way. But we can't let there be strife, because the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, they're in the land. They're watching. We're brethren. And so if you, if, if you want that land over there, you go ahead. That's fine. Just go ahead. And, by, by the way, who do you think got wronged in that story? Abraham did. Yeah. If anybody should have had first dibs, Abram should have. He was, listen, isn't this something? If it wouldn't have been for, if it wouldn't have been for Abram, Lot wouldn't have anything. He wouldn't have anything. Abraham took him in, took care of him, was a father to him that he never had and met his needs. And yet, and yet, rather than Lot saying, Uncle Abraham, you take whatever you want. I'll take the rest. You know what? We know that Abraham, Abraham, or we know that that Lot was a picture of the carnal Christian. And he said, I'm going to have my way. I don't care what it upsets or who it upsets. I'm going to have my way. And Abraham said, you know what? For the sake of unity. You choose what you want and I'll take the rest. I'll take what's left. During World War II, Hitler commanded all religious groups to unite so so he could control them. Among the brethren, assemblies half complied and half refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time. Those who did not faced harsh persecution. And almost every family of those who resisted, someone died in a concentration camp. When the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups, that, and there was much tension. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. and For several days, each person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands. Then they came together. Francis Schaefer, who told of the incident, asked a friend who was there, what did you do then? We were just one, he replied. As they confessed to their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an undisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. I've had this message. I've had this message for a week. Because of what God did Sunday night, I didn't get to preach it Sunday night. But I've had this message ready to preach. And just a few minutes before I came over to the church tonight, my phone rang. And I answered it, and it was a pastor. And he said, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, absolutely. And he began to tell me, he began to tell me some things that were going on, just some sad, just some sad, sad things that are going on in the church disunity, division, strife, people doing things in the shadows. And he said, pray for me, pray for me. And I said, brother, I'm gonna pray for you. But I said, here's the thing, you stay faithful. And I said, God's got plans for you. You just stay faithful. I guess it's a little easier for me because as a young man, I was exposed to people who placed a high priority on unity. And I'm thankful for that. Maybe some of you have not, but I'm I'm thankful that that I had some people in my life who poured into me. And boy, thank God for a pastor Otis Johnson who's in heaven tonight. And I remember one time, and, and we're done, you can close your Bibles, we're done tonight. I remember one time you follow Baptist Church. I don't know how old I was. I, I'm guessing I was 12, 13 years old, probably something like that. I didn't even know anything was going on. But there, were some, there was some wickedness going on in the background, and some people were, were going around, and actually they were teaching things that were contrary to, contrary to doctrine. And, and, uh, and I'll never forget that Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning service at Euphola Baptist Church, and, uh, and uh, if any of you ever knew Otis Johnson, you know he was one of the meekest men that ever walked the face of this earth. I'm telling you, he was. And uh, and I remember that Sunday morning service. There were some people who, in the service, stood up and began to rebuke him. You know what? You know what, Brother Rodney? I was a dumb kid. But when those people started standing up doing it, I thought in, in my heart, I thought that ain't right. Somebody, that's not right. And then I think, man, what are the lost people thinking? What about those folks who are here that are lost? I I, I can pretty much guarantee you this there were some folks who never came back to church after that. But you know what I love about that day is that my pastor, who pastored the same church for over 40 years, wouldn't get on that drama train with them. They were hoping, they stood up. They were hoping other folks would stand up and start saying this and that. And I remember as Brother Otis Johnson stood up and he always raised that right hand and his middle finger was, part of his middle finger was missing. He got cut off in a machine at work and he raised that right hand, that little middle finger missing. And this is what he said with a quiver in his voice. Folks, all I know is this. When the dust clears, I'll be standing here. And I didn't know God was going to call me to preach. I didn't know God was going to call me to preach. But I was sitting right back here on this side of the church. And when he said that, I thought, man, if I ever become a preacher, that's the kind of preacher I want to be. I want to be a preacher that says unity, unity, unity. No division, no strife. Unity. And we're marching on for the cause of Jesus. Hey, church, listen, God's doing great things at Calvary. Amen. amen. You can say amen right there. God's doing great things at Calvary. Do we have a corner on the market? Oh, no, no, no. No, there's a lot of churches where God's doing great things, and, and God's working, and souls are being saved, and there's revival and all of that. Praise the Lord for that. But thank God we're in one of them. And let's keep it that way with God's help. I mean, let's make sure we just, we just stay in love with Jesus and stay in love with each other and and uh, are people going to make mistakes? Oh, yeah. Is your pastor going to make some mistakes? You got it, brother. Is your pastor's wife going to always be perfect? Nope. Nope. Is your Sunday school teacher always going to do the things you want? know nope. What we do as Christians, we just say, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I love them. If somebody wrongs me, I'm just going to forgive them. I'm just going to go forward and serve the Lord. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your blessings on us. Lord, thank you for giving us a test that determines if somebody is a spiritual Christian or somebody is a carnal Christian. Father, help us with everything within us to fight against envy and strife and division. Lord, you've been doing a great work. I'm sure you did a a, a great work before Miss Tammy and I got here. But now for 31 years, Lord, I can't believe it's been 31 years. God, you've been doing a great work. Father, as a church, we've been privileged to see revival break out and hundreds saved. God, you've been good to us. And so, Heavenly Father, tonight we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around this church, around this body. And God, help us to stay in love with Jesus in 2023. And Lord, help us to stay in love with each other in 2023. God, may this be a church of patience. May it be a congregation of long-suffering. May it be a congregation of forgiveness. Father, may we try to cover up the blunders and not spread them abroad, tear people down, knock people over. So Lord, tonight, give us that unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that Calvary Baptist Church will march forward for the cause of Christ. And Father, this is my prayer, and I believe it's the prayer of many of these that are here tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll keep this church strong, until the trumpet sounds again and we go home to be with the Lord. Father, have your way and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand around the house tonight? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Hey, this has been pretty heavy tonight, but I believe this is what the Lord wanted for us. Hey, can I just encourage you to do this? If there's anybody, anybody that you need to make things right with. Don't wait. Don't wait till February. Go ahead and get it right now. And by the way, it might not be in this church. It might be in your family. It might be on the job. It might be in the school class or the classroom. But, but, but make it right. Get it right. And go forward and serve the Lord. And right before we go tonight, is there one here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Is there anybody like that? And I can pray for you tonight. Anybody at all? Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I see that little hand. Is there anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Well, here's what we're going to do. Just for a moment, we're going to pause just for a moment. And if there's a need, if you have any need at all, you need to come. If somebody needs prayer, listen, we'll meet you and pray with you here at the altar, okay? So we'll pause just for a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed. And then we're going to let you go. So Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. I pray that every heart is free and clear. And Lord, I pray that we'll leave this place tonight in love with Christ and in love with each other. And Father, I pray you'll do a great, mighty work in this church and among this church family. Lord, keep us strong. Keep us going forward. Father, have your way, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Anybody need to come before we go tonight? then you can look up this way and we're going to sing this little